0: welcome to the good health podcast i'm your host nicole good a registered nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine practitioner join me as we explore thyroid brain and fatigue conditions with positivity from hashimoto's to multiple sclerosis chronic fatigue to adrenal dysfunction i've got you covered with expert advice and tips to help you take action now and inspiring real patient stories from successful individuals who refuse to let their health hold them back start your journey to good health today And don't forget to come and join the conversation on Instagram at good underscore health, that's G-O-O-D-E, or visit my website at nicolegoodhealth.com to find out more. Today we welcome Frankie Gaff to the Good Health podcast. Frankie made her name at a young age as a cast member on Made in Chelsea when she joined the show in 2016. She was also signed to a modelling agency and has lived much of her life in front of the cameras. Frankie has built a huge audience on her Instagram account and shares fashion, beauty, and lifestyle tips to her over a quarter of a million followers. Since leaving Made in Chelsea, Frankie has had a baby boy, Theo, with her partner, Jamie, and not long after giving birth, found out that she had Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Her journey is relatively new, and she is learning all that she can about managing her health holistically. Today, we dig into her journey with her thyroid, her life behind the scenes, and Frankie even has some questions for me. Let's jump straight into the conversation. Okay, Frankie, welcome to the Good Health Podcast. I'm really grateful for you coming on today.
1: I know, I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, well, this is something. So we kind of just to kind of give people a little bit of backstory, we you put a post up on Instagram about being diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Um, and we we kind of just connected, I think, in in comments, I think on that. And then we spoke on sort of DMs and got chatting about sort of thyroid issues. Um, and obviously thyroid is something that I'm working with a lot. Um, so it's just really nice to get people on who are going through that experience and can talk about it from the other side. You know, I could talk about it from the practitioner side, but it's really nice to get people on that could talk about it from the patient side as well.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because I've also got lots of questions for you. <laughs> um, so yeah. And also, I don't know, none of my friends have thyroid issues or that they know of, or motor. So I actually hadn't heard it before but since speaking about it on my instagram i've now got so many conversations in my dms of girls going through the same thing and a lot of other mums which is interesting because i'm obviously a mom of one he is nearly two and i know it's something that can be quite common after childbirth um so yeah it's been really good to speak about it and just connect with other women and also help each other so there's a lot of people out there who have said oh I think I've got this but my doctor's just just dismissing it blah 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 where did you get your tests how did you get them to test for it etc etc. I'm excited to spread the word and yeah just share. Yeah so just
0: just to kind of jump into that was that was um, something that I wanted to ask you so I've asked people to send questions in but I also had a few of my own questions for you and that that was one of them was when you got the diagnosis was it something that you instantly kind of felt? I want to talk about this, I want to share it, I want to help raise awareness, or at first was it was it maybe not something you wanted to talk about, or did it just kind of happen naturally?
1: Um, I think it just happened naturally, I definitely never thought, oh I don't want to speak about it, I'm quite open anyway, and I don't see it as, it's not something that I'm like ashamed of, or I I don't know, I have no negative feelings towards it to be honest, if anything getting the diagnosis was I was so happy about because I had felt ill for quite a while and I always thought it was something worse if I made sense because yeah. I was I get I you well this time last year I got really bad health anxiety because I didn't know what was wrong and yeah. I did feel quite rubbish so finding out was always like a, oh my god it's just my thyroid even though it's not just your thyroid but compared to what I was thinking it was in my head it was a bit of a relief
0: and getting those
1: answers isn't
0: it having yeah
1: Yeah. even if it's not the answer
0: you want it's still yeah I talked about this actually on um an episode in the last season I talked to um a GB athlete who has MS and she said for her it was it was very difficult for her getting the diagnosis actually for her she was the opposite she found that very difficult for me and we talked about the difference because for me it was a relief getting the diagnosis so much like you I felt that sense of relief of finally knowing what it was and feeling like actually somebody is listening to me and believes me when I say that these things are going on in my body. And so I went down the same road as you. For me it was it was that sort of relief.
1: Well there's two types of people, isn't there? There's the people that overthink everything and assume the worst case scenario. And then there's the other people who just sort of like go along and just don't really worry about anything and think, oh no, will be fine. And then when they then get told, oh, it is this or it's that, it can probably be harder. Yeah. So sometimes overthinking is almost better because you mentally prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm the overthinker what, that was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, me too. So, I spent hours on Google. I mean, that is not healthy at all because yeah. What was coming back with my symptoms was not nice, but yeah, I did do a lot of research. Um but yeah, I I love I I don't want to speak about it too much because sometimes I feel like, oh, for people who don't have it and don't like it must be not that interesting to them it's only really interesting obviously if you're going through it yeah Um, but
0: I think there's a lot of people as well even if they're not going through thyroid necessarily there's a lot of people that are going through similar things in the sense of they maybe are having symptoms they may be feeling tired they know something's wrong they don't know what it is so there's it's not necessarily just thyroid people that are going to relate to your story
1: yeah, I think it's nice when I see other people talk about different things related to their health. It's nice knowing that like not there's not everyone is this perfect healthy human being because sometimes you look at people especially people you would like, admire or something and you think oh they'd never have this or they'd never have to deal with that but actually I mean it's health health doesn't pick and choose like or like disease it doesn't be like oh she's like this so she's not going to get disease or to a certain extent obviously I know you can live different lifestyles and stuff, but do you know what I mean? It can affect yeah. anyone.
0: Yeah, it can. And it's, um, and something you mentioned there as well in the beginning, which is interesting is, because did it happen for you? Cause you're little, you've got a little boy, uh, Theo, who's quite young. So is he, he's nearly two. Okay. So did this, was it something that happened for you postpartum or pregnancy? Yes.
1: So about a year after he was born, um, I just didn't feel myself and I had lots of different symptoms um which we can go into um and I don't know what it was I just kept waking up and I was saying to people around me like I just don't feel 100% I was like I don't feel super ill like I need to stay in bed all day but I just didn't feel 100% I couldn't explain it and that's and it stressed me out so much because I that feeling of not knowing or like what's happened what's wrong with me um so then when he was around one, yeah. So nearly a year ago, I went and did, I did a full well woman check, um, which was great. And all my symptoms, I've said this quite a lot on my Instagram when I've spoken about it. The doctor at the time was like, I know what it is. You've got a hypothyroid. Yeah, let's do the tests, but I can guarantee this is what it is. Cause my symptoms were like severe anxiety, like panic attacks coming like I'd never had panic attacks before and I was suddenly getting these horrendous panic attacks panic attacks in my sleep um my mu- like my bones hurt Can't, I'd lost so much weight I think I'd lost about obviously it was it was hard to measure my weight because I was also postpartum yeah so okay
0: a so like, difficult time
1: I don't know what my normal weight is but I I knew I was much skinnier I was about 10 kg lighter than I was pre-baby if that makes sense okay but that was another symptom um racing heart like my heart rate was like over a hundred
0: so at this point they thought you were hyper thyroid thyroid because of the symptoms
1: yeah overacted yeah. yeah overacted so hyper yeah yeah sorry I might have said that wrong um and just so tired like exhausted but again I didn't know it's very difficult when you've had a baby even a year in you're still like postpartum it's crazy and because I kept saying well maybe it's just because I've got a child like maybe I'm tired because he doesn't sleep maybe I've lost all this weight because I'm running around after him 24 hours a day like maybe I, I just kept thinking okay maybe it's that so and I think as
0: women we're very good at that putting it down to being you know tiredness and things like that particularly as a symptom putting it down to being busy being a mom working you know trying yeah. to juggle all the balls and keep everything afloat we're very good at just sort of saying oh, you know that's it just it's just that it's just that I'm I'm busy and I'm tired and I've, I've got child and and sort of yeah. almost sweeping it under the carpet a little bit
1: yeah um and I yeah so that I found it really difficult to to know what was normal and what was not, because obviously I'd never been a mum before, so I didn't know if this was normal. Anyway, it just got to the point where, because it was giving me such a, adding to the anxiety, I just was like, I'm just going to do a well-woman check. Um, and I did that privately. because so I don't think you can do that on the NHS, can you?
0: No, it's, that's that's got to be done privately. So on the NHS, you can get some blood tests so that if you'd have gone, they would have done some blood tests maybe for you. But the, the thyroid testing they do on the NHS is very limited. Um, yeah often just TSH which is a very very small part of the thyroid picture um yeah
1: I've, I've actually just had tests done last week with the NHS and I specifically said can you test T3 and T4 is that right yeah I know there's more than that but I don't yeah. think we would go into more than that so I was like yeah just test these two. <laughs> you're lucky if you get that yeah <laughs> I know. um but yeah so I did the well woman check and at the time um my thyroid came back just slightly hypo but not significant enough so they said there's a few other deficiencies that I had going on as well but that was like the main thing um and then it was just a let's leave it as it is we'll retest in eight weeks um and then we'll test again and see if it's on a downward trend or if it sort of levels out again um but it did it continued to go down so then I went straight on to levothyroxine
0: Levothyroxine. yeah
1: yeah so that's
0: And did you find it hard because obviously you were experiencing, and this is something that people generally, I think, don't know. You were obviously experiencing hyper symptoms, but got diagnosed with hypothyroid. Um, And people don't realize that you can be hypothyroid, but have hyper flares. And this is particularly when you've got Hashimoto's. This is much more common. And so you maybe weren't experiencing what we would class as the typical hypo symptoms, because that would be putting weight on and those sorts of things. Um, Did you find that difficult? Was it were people sort of, I mean, being in the public eye, I suppose, weight is something that comes up as a conversation that maybe you don't want necessarily talked about quite so much in the public eye. But was it something where people starting to notice the weight loss? Were they did they not accept that it was down to the thyroid or was that not something that people really picked up? Um, on?
1: People on Instagram, people didn't, I people would just say, Oh my God, how have you lost your baby weight? Blah, blah, blah. Um, to be honest, in person, I found it really difficult because all my friends and like my partner's friends and their girlfriends would come over and be like, Oh my God, you look amazing. You look so skinny. Um, kind of thing and at the time I was so anxious about it because I was trying to put on weight because I felt I was so scared but I think this is before I knew it was um because of my thyroid and at this point one of like if you google extreme fatigue weight loss for no cause like it comes up as all these cancer yeah so at at that moment in time I was thinking worst case scenario um and then all these people telling me how much weight I'd lost as as if it was a good thing yeah I I really struggled with that I really I found it so I'd never found people commenting on my weight as in my friends and like people close to me more annoying than ever before I probably would have loved that and been like oh great like I'm in good shape this is great thank you you're making me feel really good but at the time I literally I found it so stressful
0: yeah and it doesn't help if you've got and you said you had a bit of like health anxiety and things like that and things like that don't help and and people yeah people don't always realize that sort of connection between I think we we instantly think weight loss means health but yeah. sometimes that's not the case and no. obviously in this case it wasn't
1: I know and I would try and explain to them I was like guys I'm five foot nine and I at the time I think I weighed 54 kg and I was like this that's not my healthy weight like so it's not a good thing like stop telling me it's a good thing my mom was the only one and my dad would be like what's going on you've lost all this weight they saw, they knew that wasn't my body oh, yeah yeah um i've always been slim because i'm tall but not that slim Yeah. Um, but yeah i so i did struggle with that sort of side of it but at the same time when i then realized it was um an underactive thyroid I then was almost happy that I hadn't had the weight gain (laughs) you know because I was like
0: something a lot of people struggle with really badly is that they can't lose weight when they've got hypothyroid and they really struggle with it so
1: I think that happens to me now this is something I wanted to talk to you about is that I feel like now I'm getting all the hypothyroid symptoms yeah like even though I'm on medication so I'm like I I don't know why it's going on, but like my hair, I've still got, my hair still thick, but you know, when you wash your hair or you're brushing it, I, I can just feel that more hair is coming out. It's that sort of shedding. Yeah, Um. and weight, I've obviously gained, I've gained about 10 kg since I was first diagnosed, which is quite a lot. Like I'm not saying, oh, I'm big or anything like that, but I can see it, I'm not eating any differently so something's changing.
0: So you've gone into that sort of hypo from the hyper symptoms into the hypo symptoms.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that makes me so nervous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is something that I think is something I talk about an awful lot, because when we're looking at thyroid, so to kind of answer your question is like, why is that happening when you're on the medication that there is a there's quite a lot of different things we need to look at and we've we've got two different things going on we've got hypothyroid and then we've got the Hashimoto's the autoimmune aspect of it if we take just the hypo so just the thyroid function there's a whole thyroid pathway that can go wrong and it can go wrong mainly in three different places the first part is that TSH level and that's what the medication works on so that's what they give you the medication for to help balance that out, to help you produce the right amount of hormones. The problem is we produce about 90% of the hormone we produce in the body is T4. And that is not bioavailable. So your body cannot take that up. It can't use it. It has to be converted to T3, which is the usable form, which only 10% of what your thyroid makes is actually in in this active form is in T3. Mm -hmm. The medication doesn't do anything to support that conversion. So It will help you to produce the right amount of hormones. But if your body is still not doing the conversion, then you haven't got the active form in the body and you're you're still not taking it up. So then people don't necessarily see the settling down of all the symptoms just with medication. So that's the second part that can kind of be going wrong within those those pathways that that people don't realize medication is not working on. And then the third part is your body's actually got to be taking that up. So the cells, we've got receptor sites on all our cells to take this hormone up. And if your body is not doing that effectively, then you could have all the thyroid hormone in the world in your body. But if your cells are not taking it up, you're not using it. And the medication doesn't help with that either. So that's kind of the the thyroid pathway part. And then we've got the other side of things, which is this autoimmune side, and the medication doesn't work on the autoimmunity at all, yeah. so that's that's something that also, if that's imbalanced, we're not going to see the benefits of, um, you know, of, of reduced symptoms and things like that.
1: So, just a quick question about the like converting to T3 and what you just said: Would blood tests show whether or not your body is converting it and if your cells are absorbing it?
0: yeah so we so not if your cells are absorbing it we can we can tell we can you can get an idea but we can tell from blood tests whether you're converting well so this is where this is where it gets a bit tricky on the nhs because generally they will they will always test tsh and they will keep retesting tsh not maybe quite as much as we would like in functional medicine but they will do it but they they don't test T3, T4, reverse T3, generally don't test your antibodies regularly either. The usual comment with antibodies is once we know you've got them and we know you've got the autoimmune disease, there's no point in testing them, which Mm -hmm. is actually entirely the wrong way of looking at it because your antibodies are a much more stable marker than your thyroid function markers are. So the T4, T3, and TSH. So actually monitoring your antibodies is a much better way of monitoring the progression of your disease than the other yeah. markers yeah but yeah in terms of conversion by if we can check t4 t3 reverse t3 and your tsh we can build that picture and find out whether or not you're actually converting that properly um and getting getting enough of the t3 which is the form that we want in the body
1: and if someone is on the highest dose of the medicine and they're not converting and what do you do then so there's
0: certain nutrients um that are needed for that so in it's the same with any any basically any biochemical p- um, pathway or any any conversion anything that has to happen in the body any chemical process your body needs certain nutrients to be able to do that process and we need particular nutrients to be able to convert the t4 to t3 so we use high strength very specific nutrients to help support that conversion so that your body is able to do that conversion properly. Because sometimes there's other imbalances going on. So like Mm -hmm. you said, you had a couple of other imbalances on your blood tests and they may or you know, depending on what they are, they may or may not be connected to your thyroid, but some things are. So it's making sure that the body's got everything that it needs to be able to do that conversion. And also the thyroid is very interlinked around the body. So the you know it's very it's hormones it's very linked to your hormones very linked to your endocrine system it's very linked to your brain it's very linked to gut health your immune system you know all these different things so making sure that all of those are balanced so that you're actually because some people sort of say they'll come and say well i eat lots of that food that's got that nutrient in which is great but if actually your gut health isn't very good and you're not absorbing that nutrient very well then your body can't use it to do the conversion and things like that there's there's a it's a much bigger picture than i think people realize and taking and i'm not anti-taking the medication taking the medication is the first step and it's a brilliant first step but there's a lot of other things that we can we can do and work on to support the body in making Mm -hmm. that conversion and also balancing the other things out to make sure that everything is is healthy and, and you're actually taking up nutrients from food and all of that sort of thing
1: that's one thing i've noticed recently is that i feel like Sometimes I feel so stupid, like I've lost my mind. And I see someone else actually said this to me or put a comment or something about feeling like they've lost their mind, but it's actually then they find out something to do with their thyroid. I don't know if that's a thing. Like a brain
0: fog type type of thing.
1: I keep spelling things wrong or like doing typos. And I'm just like, that is not me. Why am I doing that?
0: Yeah. So there's different parts of the so there's two generally two parts of the brain that are linked with the thyroid and, and one part tends to be the sort of the brain fog memory sort of those sides of things that's very linked to it being Hashimoto's so with autoimmunity that part of the brain gets gets very impacted and then also with thyroid um, we can see the cerebellum in the brain another part of the brain be impacted and that can impact things like your balance your coordination so some people all of a sudden will start start saying oh I think I feel like I'm a bit more clumsy than I used to be you know and things like that and
1: I'm always walking into doors like
0: that's the the typical one I keep walking a lot of people say I've got bruises all on my arms because I walk into door frames all the time and it's
1: just it's always just like my shoulders I'm always I'm just knocking like just by like that much and I'm like what is going on and I also saw this as well I don't know if this is true about it can give you a stutter okay yeah so I mean it's so there's a
0: lot of neurological things um that it can impact it's I mean it's different for everybody obviously it's different for everybody um some people won't get the brain impacted at all and other people will get the brain impacted quite significantly um and yeah there's various different neural- neurological things that can that can come out lots of different symptoms um but the classics are the brain fog memory um those sorts of things and the uh, and the balance coordination walking into door frame that's that's the typical thing lots of people say to me i keep walking into door frames um and that yeah and that is the impact this connection with the thyroid thyroid and the brain um and we do things to help support that so we make sure the brain's got the nutrients it's need there's some exercises we can give to help Help them with the particular with the cerebellum. We can do cerebellum exercises to help support that part of the brain. And so there's lots of different things that that we can do. But people just don't know about these connections, and they so they don't look into it. And if they need to know, and that's why having these conversations is so good because people if people know about these things and they can actually do something about it.
1: Yeah, one thing that annoys me as well is that people I think don't realize how not how bad it is but how it is quite a serious not serious it's not like life life threatening is that the right word yeah it's not unless you leave it untreated obviously but it's not like a disease that is putting you in hospital or killing you or I don't know how to say it but it's something that you can live with and manage and stuff but I I feel like a lot of people go. Oh, everyone says they've got thyroid issues, or girls just use it as an excuse when they've gained weight. I've heard that before, and like, like my partner, he, he and he, he doesn't make comments like that. He's not like that. But I don't think he appreciates. Like sometimes I'm exhausted. Like if our little one gets up in the night, it's it's me that um is always up with him. Like never my partner. Um, and his sort of excuse is that he works his job is more important basically yeah um, <laughs> but obviously I still work. Um, and I sometimes it frustrates me because I'm like I also have autoimmune disease that makes me so tired like exhausted. And it's
0: a different tiredness people don't understand that like, you, you know we can all say like oh I'm tired you know well, usually it's if you've you know you've done something like you've been to the gym and you feel tired afterwards you know or something like that and it's it's a normal sort of tiredness where you will rest for a little while and you'll feel better. But that autoimmune fatigue, and it really is fatigue, not tiredness, is entirely different. And I think unless you've experienced it, it's very difficult for family and friends and people like that to really understand what it feels like. I've had people in clinic, I have clients explain it in so many different ways, but like some people have sort of said, I feel like I'm like dragging myself through quicksand and like, they just, you know, it's like the explanation that people come up with all different kind of things of trying to explain what this fatigue is. And it's mm. it totally different to just tiredness. It's something else. It's like you can't, almost can't keep functioning. Yeah. Whereas a tiredness relieves itself quite easily with rest.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's one thing I struggle with of people not understanding that or just not even like having empathy or whatever for it just like oh I don't know because obviously my Theo as well he does he's such a bad sleeper so managing this and a child that just doesn't sleep (laughs) is can sometimes be absolutely exhausting um but yeah I think it is hard for other people to appreciate that or understand it
0: yeah and I think people almost particularly and I think that's where thyroid is difficult with with for women who have it sort of postpartum because people almost expect you to be tired they're sort of like well you've just had a baby you've got a young one at home who's like you said not sleeping and you know so you kind of you're just expected to be tired but it's if you've got this going on as well and um and really any autoimmune disease because a lot of autoimmune diseases cause this this type of fatigue um it's, it's difficult beyond what I think people kind of understand. So if we, if we kind of jump into something else, because this is something that people have asked, and I think it's something that, that a lot of people struggle with is, what was your journey? Or what has your journey been like? What is it like now, in terms of getting support on I know, you said you've been on the NHS, and you've been private, and a lot of people have sent these questions in, like, how did you get how did you get the test done? How did you get the diagnosis? Because I know it's something a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people that come to me in clinic, you know, their big thing is I've just not been able to get the testing done. I've not been able to get the answers. I think it's this, but, you know, I just can't get there. So what's what's your journey been like in in getting to diagnosis and post-diagnosis in terms of getting treatment?
1: So obviously I was lucky enough to be able to go private, which made getting the tests done easy obviously okay. um but if i was gonna if i had to do it again and i was gonna go through the nhs if someone wasn't testing me i would go to the doctor and literally list the symptoms of the nhs website and be like this is what i have i think like i have all these symptoms do you think you could do a test i know it's a bit of a silly answer but if if some if they're literally yeah. not testing you just tell them you have those symptoms and then surely they have to do a test um but yeah my i obviously was lucky enough to go private i did the full well woman check which i know is really expensive and it's not for everyone um and the clinic were that i went to were in malabon in london they were amazing um and a few different things came up for me in terms of like i was deficient in iron vitamin d quite a few like the uh, things that are commonly deficient in and then my thyroid was just on the line of being hypo I always forget which one (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. just on the verge I wasn't classified I don't think it there's a is there a line I hadn't crossed that line yet but I was right on that line Um, and then they said to me let's leave it as it is see if it balances out we'll test you again in I think they left it eight weeks yeah um and then yeah went back did the test and it continued to, to go down um and then they started me on I think fifty. I don't know what the measurement is. Milligrams. Fifty. Yeah, fifty mg of <laughs> levothyroxine. Yeah. Sorry, I
0: not
1: <laughs> Um, and that's where we started. At that point, I then took it to the NHS because, um, the private doctor had said obviously I could keep it with them, but it was, I was going to have to be tested quite regularly. Also, the doctors that I was going to wasn't local to me; it was about. I'm in Wimbledon and the doctor was in Marlebone. So not really far, but if you're gonna be doing blood tests every six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it was, you kind of just want it to be on your doorstep. And then obviously going through the NHS, it was gonna be a lot cheaper or cost nothing. Mm -hmm. um so that's what i did and i did take it to the nhs i requested them to do an antibodies test because i'd said that the private gp had suggested that that was what i did and to be honest my they were happy to do that and they did that straight away um so the antibodies test was obviously to test for whether or not it was caused by a autoimmune condition is that right yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's right so they do the antibodies to see whether or not it's you've got that autoimmune aspect. So whether or not it's just hyperthyroid or whether it's Hashimoto's.
1: Yeah, and that came back positive. Um, one thing I struggled with when doing those tests was, they were obviously very happy to do the test and then the result came back and it sort of comes through on the app. So with where I am, you have to then make the doctor's appointment once they've said they've got the results to discuss the results. Right, okay. But sometimes they didn't have appointments for like two weeks. Yeah. So I'm the most impatient person ever. So I obviously went straight on the app and then Googled my result. And also my friend is a doctor. She's a pediatrician, so she doesn't know everything. She doesn't know that much about thyroid, but she can obviously read the tests. Um, So I actually kind of diagnosed it myself from the result that was given. And then I had a phone call with the doctors and they were just very, I think I mentioned to you this before, they're just very blase about it. They were like, So, yes, it could be this. It could be Hashimoto's, but we don't know for sure. Um, I can't really remember, to be honest, exactly what they said, but I remember there was no, like, yes, this is what you have. Um, This is what it means. This is what it is. Um, There was none of that. It was kind of just like, you might have it, you might not, but your antibodies come back positive.
0: Yeah, and that's Um, that's a sort of a common story I hear, is that people are either told that they – they're either told they – just told they have hypothyroid and not told, even if the antibodies come back positive, not told that they've got Hashimoto's or it's not explained to them what the difference is. So what it means to be Hashimoto's as well as hypothyroid. And people don't realize, I have a I have a question on my intake questionnaire that is, do you have any autoimmune diagnoses? And people will put in the first box where they've listed their diagnoses that they've got Hashimoto's and then we'll yeah. tick no for the, do I have an autoimmune disease? because they've just not been told that that Hashimoto's is is an autoimmune disease and for me the big problem with that is that if you we know that once you've got one autoimmune disease you're likely to collect them so you're likely to get more diagnoses so the average is five once you've got one and um (laughs) oh my god (laughs) sorry to be the bearer of bad news (laughs)
1: Right. Uh, so what is that what ones are what other ones are there oh there's like there's over a
0: hundred and some of them are are mildly. so I you know people come to me quite regularly and they'll they'll sort of say you know they get um Raynaud's which is like the white fingers when you're in the cold and people will, quite commonly will sort of have something like that which is something or nothing it doesn't cause them any problems they don't really need to do anything about it um but it's an autoimmune disease and they've had it for many years and not realize they've actually already got this autoimmunity in the body So there's lots of different things that it can be. And sometimes it can be other complex illnesses. It can sometimes it can be sort of more minor things. But we do know that once you've got one, you you do collect these diagnoses. So if you don't know that you've got autoimmunity, you can't work on it. And people don't realize that they need to work on it. And that for me is the problem with 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 the doctors and with conventional medicine, not saying to people actually you've got this Hashimoto's you've got autoimmune disease now you need to work on that as well as working on the thyroid
1: why are they like that though i just don't understand like surely they know
0: it's a complex one and it's they're not really doing anything wrong from their from their training so they're trained our conventional medicine system the nhs system is built around acute illness so not chronic illness it's built around sort of emergency care if you like and they are taught to treat people, once they've reached a disease state, so once you've actually got diagnosable conditions with drugs or surgery, that's what medical school teaches people. So that's one issue because chronic illness, a lot of the time, actually we may need drugs, but we don't necessarily solely need drugs and we don't always need surgery. We need other forms of, of treatment and there. we need a more holistic approach. So the, the NHS system is not designed for chronic illness very well. It's much more designed for this acute illness. And we also don't have, so because the way that our system is designed in the UK, doctors all have specialities. So we've got, you know, neurologists and rheumatologists, and they all specialize in a part of the body and area. We don't have, autoimmunology is is not a thing. It doesn't exist. It's not a speciality. So because of that, it doesn't get taught all that much, all that well in med school. It kind of gets missed. So there's a lot of cases of people with autoimmune disease where they are they're slipping through the net and they're not getting the support that they need
1: that is just crazy because some of the autoimmune diseases are really serious aren't they I mean my auntie has had celiac disease and she was in hospital with it yeah because she didn't know she had it but she was so ill
0: yeah
1: like how is it just overlooked I don't understand
0: yeah it is and it's I think really in that circumstance it's that case because it's acute illness that the NHS is designed for. So, you know, if you have something very sudden, you have a heart attack, something like that, they are excellent at dealing with those types of cases. But the chronic health system, we just really don't have anything in place for the chronic health system or not much in place for the chronic health issues. And and they also don't jump in until, this is something else that comes back from a lot. A lot of people that I work with will say to me, well, I went to the doctors and I, I didn't have, thyroid problem. So they weren't necessarily a bit like you're saying you were on the border. A lot of people come to me and say, well, they said I'm not there yet. I don't have it. So they've sent me away and basically told me to come back once it's got worse and they'll give me the drugs. And a lot of people come to me because they don't want to wait until things get worse. Um particularly if you're the way we were saying sort of that more have that sort of I don't know, health that's anxiety that's- around things and want to kind of yeah. get answers and stuff like that. There's a lot of people that don't don't feel comfortable leaving it at that point. And then they come to me and they're like, well, you know, I am i don't want to just leave it till I get worse because I don't want to get worse. I want to stop it before it does. And there's nothing within our medical system that will work on it prior to being at a diagnosable point. So at a point where they can say you've got a disease, whereas with what we do in functional medicine, we can jump in a lot earlier and Autoimmunity is not, so like you said, okay, it's not, you know, people sort of are brushing off your thyroid issue as, you know, maybe it's not that, it's not that serious, you're not in hospital, but it is, it is, a, it is a serious condition. It's not necessarily something you need to be in hospital for, but it is something that if left will get worse. And if you work on it, you can push it back into remission. So you, it's not something that we can cure. Once you've got autoimmune disease, you've got it in the body and that's it. You'll have it for life. It's a chronic condition. But you can either be pushing it back into remission or you can be making it worse and triggering it. And everybody will have flare ups and relapses and things like that. But the more we can keep it in remission, the longer you're going to live well with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the earlier you jump in, the better. But if people don't know these things, yeah. they can't
1: do it. The word disease, I always find so scary. I think that's what makes me think it's serious. Like when I, cause I will purposely say I've got an autoimmune condition. Cause I feel like the minute I say disease, people will be like, oh my God, are you dying? Like, are you okay? I remember when I first, when, it, when I first told Jamie, I have an autoimmune disease, Jamie's my partner. He was like, oh my God, he didn't understand. He was like, oh my God, wait, does that mean you're gonna die? Like what's wrong? <laughs> Um, this is why at the start now he just doesn't ask about it at all but um, (laughs) yeah at the start I think the word disease obviously just sounds it makes me feel a bit dirty I don't know what it is it makes me feel like something inside me is not right which is not but you know it's scary yeah
0: Um, I think educating yourself is 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 hugely beneficial with that and knowing. You know, understanding what autoimmunity is and for and for people listening to this who you know like like you you know don't know what autoimmune diseases are and things like that it's hugely beneficial to be able to you know to be able to educate yourself a huge part of what I do is educating people it's mm. allowing people to understand what's actually happening in their bodies and what they can do to help support their bodies in ways that you know are not available in our conventional medicine system, particularly in the UK. I know there'll be people listening to this from sort of around the world and America works slightly differently, but particularly in the UK, our conventional medicine system, um, be it NHS or private, is not very well tailored to dealing with these sorts of of conditions. We'll call them conditions if it makes you feel better. I,
1: I, I was reading something recently. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about how in the US there's a certain type of drug you can get um, to do with the thyroid but it's not you can't get it here
0: yeah there's quite a lot in the in in the usa that's not available in the in the uk um sometimes that's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing um yeah. they do tend to be a lot a lot further on um and functional medicine I mean, everything that i do functional medicine i've done all my postgrad training in the states
1: mm-hmm. because they are
0: so far ahead in terms of dealing with with these conditions um and the training that they have they're much further ahead than we are in the UK so I've done all my postgraduate training over in America
1: amazing yeah so for you what because diet it's
0: a what a lot of the questions came in were around diet Um, that's the
1: questions I have as well
0: yeah lots of lots of people wanted to ask um what did you eat before? What do you eat now? There was lots of questions that came in. So let's let's kind of dig into that area a little bit because you share, you know, you d- on your Instagram you share a lot of recipes. You seem to quite like cooking. Um, mm. You've obviously you look like a person who has, um, you know, from looking through your feed on Instagram, who is is into food and likes, enjoys cooking and doing all this sort of stuff. So what did your diet look like before you knew about any of this? And what changes have you have you made if any sort of since
1: so I love food. I love cooking. My diet has always been I'm like not a diet as in like I to be honest, I'm not a healthy eater at all. I love pasta, I love uh pizza, I love I love salads. Um to be honest, I eat a lot of different things, but I my downfalls to my diet are I eat a lot of sugar, um, I eat a lot of dairy yeah I eat a lot of gluten um to be honest I don't have the most ideal diet I'd say my diet is pretty unhealthy um recently so in the last sort of so when I first got diagnosed I didn't really because I was put on the medication I kind of just thought that was sort out like I don't need to do anything else because again like no one said to me at the time oh maybe you should look into your diet and other lifestyle factors I'm not a huge drinker so I don't drink a lot of alcohol I might have one or two glasses every two weeks like I'm not I think because I'm so tired from Theo that the thought of making myself (laughs) more tired with a glass of wine just isn't appealing to me um so high sugar high gluten are the two biggest things I'd say which I know neither are good for a autoimmune condition um but in the last sort of I think I might have mentioned to you I can't remember but I I have felt like I've been having flare-ups and I felt like my symptoms had been getting worse. And this is something I said to my mom. I was like, I now feel this, I never felt like I had the um underactive thyroid symptoms. And now this summer, I say at the start of summer, I started to feel like I was getting those symptoms like my hair, my weight. I was also getting like skin conditions on my face, which I never had before. I didn't know if that was linked, but it was just it, all these things started happening all together. And I was just like, maybe it's all to do with my thyroid. I don't know. So since then, I then I've been looking online but it's so hard because there's so much information out there there is so so hard to like really pin pinpoint like what is right and what is not and it's because when there's all these different things as well it's really difficult because trying to do all the all those things that people are suggesting at once can seem really overwhelming yeah it doesn't seem very feasible to like stick to it it just doesn't feel like I'm that wouldn't work for me if I want something to be long-lasting and changes that I make yeah which I will carry on living like for the rest of my life it has to be quite gradual because if I take everything all at once I'm that person that I'll do it for a week and then I'll be like oh and then grab everything that I'm not supposed to grab basically yeah so I kind of said to myself okay I'm gonna start eating meat again because I wasn't really eating meat, I I had a little bit when I was pregnant, um, and then since Theo started eating when he was about six months, he was having things with meat in, and I would just sort of pick. And because I wasn't eating meat, I was then eating a lot more pasta, gluten, just all those sort of things. So I was like, right, if I start having like chicken, I can, I can have chicken, brown rice, broccoli. Like I like that. Dish, yeah. That sense. So. I decided to start eating meat again I have cut down I haven't got rid of gluten completely but I started doing like a a low gluten diet I don't even know if that's a thing but at home I try not to eat gluten but if I was out for dinner I would if I wanted something I'd have it and then I kind of said to myself if I really feel different from not having gluten over a period of time then I would cut it out completely Um, and then sugar I've said to myself I need to eat less sugar but if I'm being really honest, I haven't really sat that. <laughs> it depends on the day. It's because I'm so tired. I grant. Yeah, I know. I
0: noticed you shared on your Instagram, you shared a, a low or no sugar, no gluten recipe. I think this yeah. week.
1: It was like, well, it was, in, it was cookies. So it had like protein in and it was instead of sugar there was a bit of maple syrup to sweeten it I know that's still sugar right yep. it's not but yeah but it's a
0: natural it's natural sugar as opposed to you sort of white refined sugar so it's it's definitely a step in in the right direction
1: yeah and I made them gluten-free um the gluten-free thing I can I have done that before like years ago I was gluten-free for a while um so I, I find that easy and there's so many gluten-free options now anyway hmm. but I feel like my issue is as well is that I like not necessarily like processed food. Like I don't eat a packet of like super noodles, but like, I like making like chicken nuggets, but my homemade chicken nuggets, if that makes sense. Yeah. But still got, even though it's gluten-free flour, it's still like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel healthy. Is that?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways you can make foods like that more healthy. Um, Gluten is one of those that with any autoimmune condition, so be it thyroid or anything else, gluten certainly needs to be reduced, if not eliminated, from the diet. And the reason for that is the, the link between gut health and autoimmune diseases. So when we eat gluten, we have, uh, along the gut wall, we've got these junctions that are called tight junctions that open and close. And they open and close to let the nutrients from your food through into the bloodstream. So when you're eat, eating all the good stuff like broccoli and stuff like that, and you want to take all the nutrients up from your food, You want these tight junctions to open because you want to take those nutrients into the bloodstream so you can get them into the body. What gluten does is opens these tight junctions further, so wider, so they can let through larger molecules. And they're the molecules that we don't want to get through into the bloodstream. And once they've got into the bloodstream, your immune system has to go around and mop them up. So it's activating your immune system all the time, which we don't want with autoimmune disease, because then we're at risk of then your immune system is then active and it could further damage in this case, your thyroid or whatever it might, whatever other condition it might be. It's also, it also does similar things with, we have a a blood brain barrier and gluten does a similar thing with the blood brain barrier as well. So it can make things. So people often with gluten look for gut symptoms like, well, I don't have, you know, I I don't have an upset stomach. I don't have bloating. I, I don't have gut symptoms. So gluten's not a problem for me. Gluten actually can have a big impact on the brain. So even somebody who's got a condition as serious as celiac, which you mentioned before, some people with celiac have no gut symptoms whatsoever, but will have really bad like brain fog type symptoms. And that is the the impact of the gluten. So gluten is particularly bad with the autoimmune diseases. Uh, Another one you mentioned, the dairy. Um, So it's a a little bit of a similar thing. Dairy has got a protein that's very similar to a protein within our body. So we call it it's called molecular mimicry. And the your immune system kind of mistakes your own tissue for this protein in the in the dairy. So that's where the problem with dairy comes in. So there's a lot of a lot of reasons for like reducing and taking these things out of the diet. Gut health, particularly with gluten, if we if we can take the gluten out, we can help heal that gut wall and get it really strong again so that we're not letting things through into the bloodstream and not setting off the immune system. And that's really important. That's why we work on gut health a lot with, with autoimmunity. But the other thing I see, kind of the other extreme of this is a little bit like what you've just said, people often come to me and they've got, they've read online, oh, I need to cut this out and that out and, you know, all these different things. And they're on such a restrictive diet and they may feel better, a little bit better and maybe initially at first cutting stuff out mm-hmm. and then they start to feel worse again. And actually we can, that's usually because they've just gone onto too restrictive a diet because they've taken, they've read all this stuff on Google. They've taken all this food out of the diet and actually now they're not getting enough nutrients and it's as simple as they're not actually feeding the body enough now. So it's that sort of fine line.
1: When I was feeling ill a year ago, when I, when I didn't really know what I had yet, but I knew there was something, um, I ordered this, um, Cooking book and it was the autoimmune diet. Mm-hmm. And it's the most restrictive thing I have yeah. ever seen. It was like, yeah, no dairy, no gluten, no sugar, certain meats. You can't have certain vegetables, like no broccoli. Like, I think broccoli was like a no, or like care. Yeah, there were certain vegetables that you couldn't have, um, and certain meats you couldn't have. And I was just like. I remember being so deaf at the time. I felt so Ill. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, but I, I still have the book and I looked at it the other day and I was like, I just don't know if I could live. It's very Mediterranean, but yeah. way stricter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We call it the autoimmune paleo diet is usually what it's sort of what it's referred to. Um, yeah, it's highly restrictive. And I do get people that come to me who have been on it for a long time. And they're actually really struggling. They're not, they they maybe initially felt better, but then they're, they're really not. And that's just because they're on a really limited, very restricted diet and not maybe getting enough in. And I think when we take foods out, it's really important to make sure that you put food back in. So we need to, anything that comes out of the diet, you need to make sure that you're actually, you're still getting the nutrients from other foods and still getting more foods back in the diet. So a lot of what I do is getting foods back into the diet with people as well as taking out a few things that need to come out and everybody's different as well. I think that's really, you know, a lot of people sort of say to me, like, can't you just like, you know, tell me like what the diet is for thyroid, you know, what, what is the thyroid diet? And it's just not that simple. Everybody is different and everybody's underlying cause for why they've got a thyroid issue will be different. So I could have five people in clinic all with thyroid who have all got a different underlying reason why they've got it. Um, I had one, so last week I had a, a load of different thyroid. My my clinic is probably now about 70, 75% thyroid. There's so much of it. And yeah. you know we had underlying, different underlying reasons. One had mold toxicity. So we actually needed to work on the mold to heal that. One had gut health issues. You know, the, One had hormone imbalances. So we're working on hormones. So it's different for different people. And there isn't one diet that is going to solve all.
1: What tests did you do to find out so like you're saying one person had gut health hormone mold toxicity what test can you do to find out what could be
0: all of it so we do um we have a comprehensive um gut test which is entirely different so some people come and say well I've had a gut test on the NHS and they said everything's fine it's entirely different we get a 21 page report on the health of your gut um I would
1: love to do that
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. It's really interesting. And so much comes in up in it. It's really um, so much detail in it. Um, And it's probably most people I work with with thyroid, we run the we run the gut test, and we look at that, and we get this really comprehensive report back. Um, And we usually get a lot of findings within that that we can work on. Then we have, we can do mold testing so if people think that mold it, usually with the mold testing we'll try and work out whether we think it's an issue for somebody first some people everybody's different a bit like you said some people come into clinic and they're like test me for everything just run the Stop, lot then test you. everything <laughs> yeah. Me. yeah and that's the way people want to go and that's fine and if, if you've got the resources to do that and you can you know you want to do it that's a brilliant way of doing it for other people it's either a not possible they can't afford to do it that way or they are a bit more nervous and they want to deal with one thing at a time and you know so we we work different ways but we can do mold testing we can do hormone testing we do adrenal testing a lot with thyroid because your thyroid is very linked to your adrenals and that has a huge impact on your sleep and on your fatigue and all of those sorts of things um so there's lots of different testing that we run that is not available on the nhs and not available on private either so it's only sort of it's more available within the functional medicine world but it gives us a whole picture of what's going on in the body, and that's what allows us to really dig deep and find those underlying imbalances and the root causes of the issues, and yeah. and get people feeling better.
1: So I have one question for you. If I know you've kind of just said that it's really difficult to say because one thing will work for one person, one thing will work for another. If you could give like five, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but this is I <laughs> want to go first. That's but fine. If you could give five things. Or five points of advice to someone with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's of five changes that they could make or five things that they need to look at like whether it's um, cutting out gluten or I don't know if alcohol is like a big one or exercise diet like or five things that you would look at or suggest someone doing
0: yeah the first thing I think I would say is get a full thyroid panel done. So if they haven't had, if you get no other testing done if you you know if you really can't afford any other testing, it's so worth paying for a full thyroid panel because you really need to know what's going on. Um, you want to know that what that autoimmune picture looks like. you want to know what the thyroid function picture looks like. you want to know if you're converting. so there's lots of different things that we can get from that. So I guess that would be my first thing. My second thing would be reduce or eliminate gluten would be <laughs> would be the next thing
1: um
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) um yeah that would be my number two um number three I think reducing sugar Mm -hmm. um processed foods uh any of those sort of um and that actually with with gluten-free can be an issue as well because a lot of people go gluten-free and they go and buy gluten-free products that are actually very very much processed foods so that could be an issue as well. So going gluten-free, but naturally going gluten-free by choosing foods that are naturally gluten-free. So lots of like your veggies and your beans and your grains and things that are um your gluten-free grains, but things that are naturally gluten-free as opposed to that sort of processed switching for process.
1: You know, gluten-free pasta. Is that processed? Uh depends which it is. So I use sort
0: of a green um green pea pasta quite a lot. Oh,
1: so like a vegetable.
0: Yeah, um, they do like red lentil pasta, um, brown rice pasta, so things like that. Yeah, um, generally are generally are okay and help people keep pasta in the diet when they really do love it, which I do. So I, I mean, I had I've been down this road, I've been on the other side of this and been the patient, so I know how hard it is. Um, mm. and I love pasta; it's one of my like favorite things. Would be a good bowl of pasta. So I get how hard it is. Um, but yeah, so that I think third would be kind of the sugar processed foods. Um, limit those um fourth I would say get more in the diet I think so focus on getting making sure you're getting all the you know the NHS says five portions of fruit and veg a day it's really not enough so we want to be aiming more for eight to ten portions two of them being fruit the rest being veg so I think number four I would go for adding more into the diet um different types of food as well so not necessarily. um people don't realize the different color foods have got the, the reason that they're different colors is because they've got different nutrients in. So actually, if one week you buy white onion, for example, the next week buy red onion, because you're just getting different nutrients, even though you're eating onion both weeks, you're getting different nutrients in buying mm. like tender stem broccoli, and then buying your sort of normal broccoli, um, you know, buying purple cauliflower and normal cauliflower, buying different types of apples. So that all increases the diversity in the diet. And that's really mm. good for your gut health. So that would probably be my number four um and number five would probably be which is something we actually haven't touched on yet which was another question that came in um which was around sort of lifestyle um I'd probably go for reducing stress as my number five stress yes. is a huge
1: trigger I know it is hard <laughs> um I don't know how people do that like how how can you remove the stress out of your life if the stress is like your child or you yeah.
0: Know? <laughs> and I think it's, it's not about removing it from your life. I think it's about having good techniques to be able to manage stress. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where looking at your adrenals comes in because your adrenals are very heavily linked to your stress So making sure that actually you are dealing with stress. Well, you're manage- your body's capable of managing stress. I think, you know, often I've had it said to me by doctors where they've sort of said, oh, you just need to like, you need to live a stress-free life and not get stressed. And it's like, great, thanks. That's, you know, it's not going to happen because it's not going to happen for anybody. (laughs) Everybody has stresses at times in life.
1: Obviously, we all had a switch. We'd switch it off. Exactly. (laughs) Of
0: course you would. If you could just say like, right, I'm not having any, by the way, I'm not having stress anymore. Bye. You know, it's like, yeah, great. If we could do that, fantastic. But we can't. Um, So it's, it's being able to manage it. So I think putting things in place, doing things that you enjoy, having good relationships, you know, making sure that you've got a support network. Um, Exercise as well. For some people, that is something that, um, you know, is a stress relief for them. Doesn't need to be intense exercise, going for a walk outside, you know, just just getting out in nature, going for a walk. um, Those things are all very stress relieving. Um, it might be sitting and reading a book you know it doesn't necessarily even need to be exercised just getting some things into your life that help you in terms of that um, management of stress doing things you enjoy having a bit of like you know joy and fulfillment in life Um, I think that would be my sort of number five would be around that sort of all that lifestyle stuff
1: amazing Um, I had one more question sorry I know you've probably asked me Um, if you're looking at your gut health what few things can you do to instantly or like steps that you can take to improve your gut health if you are thinking that your gut's not quite right because I don't think my gut's quite right I never think I've never really thought I've always had problems with like when I was younger especially constipation um bloating just all those sort of things like just yeah always, always been issues uncomfortable
0: yeah um unfortunately for you one of the first things would be removing the gluten (laughs) 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 sorry about that Um, the other thing would be that diversity so getting more different types of foods in that's going to really help support so we've got the microbiome in the gut which is the all the bacteria and we want we want all the good bacteria in the gut we want a really good balance of it um and the way that we build that up is by having much more diverse food in the diet so the more diverse the diet the more diverse the microbiome so increasing your your fruit and veg in the diet particularly your veg um lots of different varieties lots of different types um keep switching those foods around eating different things um taking a probiotic as well can can be really good yeah i um so i always recommend simprove it's it's one that i Mm -hmm. uh, i work with them i find that that one is very good it's water-based so it um doesn't activate digestion when you when you take it so it gets where it needs to go it's it's a really good it's a good supplement um and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah and i mean so running for people like um that feel that they've got gut health problems running what we call an elimination program but it's i don't like calling it so i have um i've got like a six-week plan that i have for people you can get it on the website so if people are worried about this you can join on the website um and it's a six week program where we eliminate the foods that are the common trigger foods for a, for a few weeks. And then we start reintroducing and we do, you have to do the reintroduction in a very particular way to be able to assess whether or not that food is impacting you. But the way, the reason we do that rather than just sort of saying like, take out all these foods is that we can then see for the individual, which ones they actually need to be taking out and which ones actually they're tolerating. Cause people will tolerate different foods Um, and we don't want to take out too much from the diet we want to keep as much in as possible so it's about taking out all the trigger foods and then reintroducing as much as possible we do that over kind of six week cycle Um, and that could be really beneficial for people as well but gut health is hugely important with autoimmune um, issues
1: okay amazing
0: brilliant Frankie thank you so much for joining me today I've loved talking to you I know me too thank you for having me (laughs) Brilliant. We've got a few things that we're going to put into the show notes below. So we will link um, to your Instagram and things like that. Cause I know you've been, you've sort of been talking about thyroid and things like that. So we'll link your Instagram below so people can um, give you a follow and see what you've been talking about and see the recipes that you're sharing as you're doing a few more of those kind of gluten-free and sugar-free ones. But thank you so much for being here So Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: If you're looking to support your thyroid, we've got many things for you that can help. We're going to link these below in the show notes. But we've got free downloads, things from understanding your thyroid test results to 30 steps to thyroid health. You can get those in the links below. We've also got our thyroid bundle, which is 21 guides on how to work on your thyroid health, as well as our nutrition plans. So these are done for you. You get get meal plans, you get shopping lists, you get prep tips to help make things really quick and easy to implement in your day-to-day life. You get guides to help you on your journey and also get a group chat, which I will be jumping into to help answer any of your questions. The nutrition plans that are going to be really useful for thyroid health. We've got the mitoimmune plan, which is all around building energy and balancing your immune system. We've got the gut healing plans. If you feel like you get a lot of those gut symptoms and that's something that plays a big part for you, then the gut healing plan is going to be really good. And then we've also got the things that we've we've talked about with Frankie in this episode. So we've got, if you struggle going to go gluten and dairy free, or if you struggle to go sugar free, or if you struggle to get more plant foods into your diet, we've got the Go range of nutrition plans. So we've got Go Gluten and Dairy Free, Go Sugar Free or Go Plant Based. All of those will be linked below and are there on our website for you to buy at any time. You can also use Frankie's code, Frankie10, all capitals, to get 10% off any of our nutrition plans. I hope today's episode has provided you with valuable insights and inspired you to take charge of your health. If you'd like to support our podcast and help us to reach a wider audience, we kindly ask that you follow, rate, and review the show. By doing so, you're playing a crucial role in spreading a positive message around health and empowering others to live their best lives.